17 weeks, four quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one winning, winning drive. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Winning Drive podcast. I am Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of Ravens Postgame Uncensored on 105.7 The Fan. And I'm Cordell Woodland, host of Shaking It Up Sports on 105.7 The Fan, as well as the station's Ravens Beat Report. Ravens beat the Saints 27 to 13, although it should have been by a larger margin. We'll talk about that later. Let's talk about defense first, Cordell. Listen, I mean, four weeks ago, we were really questioning what this defense was, and we both agreed that they've done nothing but trend up in the past four to five weeks. Then bring in Roquan Smith in a trade, get back Titus Bowser, and they look like a completely different defense. They are fast. They are all over the quarterback. They are over the ball, and it is really exciting exciting because you see the potential of how good this defense really can be down the stretch, which is obviously important. Even though they play against teams um, that don't necessarily have a winning record, probably outside Cincinnati at this point, it doesn't matter, right? You want to dominate your, your, your opponent. And I feel like this defense absolutely has the capability of doing that. Giving up that, that touchdown um, in the fourth quarter to me, Really was poor because Chuck Clark, you have to do a better job of, um, you know, getting a guy out of bounds or whatever. You're too busy trying to complain and saying he was down. Meanwhile, the guy's just running in the end zone. Outside of that, I really didn't have a whole lot to say bad about this defense. They just really balled out. Yeah, same. You know, this defense is kind of, like you said, they've been trending up the last few weeks. Um, and then they've got, they've done nothing but get stronger, uh, stronger, faster. I would say better, you know, overall, just from a talent perspective, you know, you see you you go and get a guy like Roquan who comes in as the NFL's leading tackler. And I mean, he jumps out at you from the very beginning of the game. He he makes his impact known um, immediate tackles. You, you see him guarding guys like Alvin Kamara uh, out in the open field and his closing speed is so good. And, he just trusts his eyes. He knows what he's seeing. And once he sees it, he he gets there. And um, this Ravens defense right now looks kind of like the Ravens defense that we're used to seeing in the past. They just they, they they're just so aggressive right now. And I said early in the season that the Ravens look like a team that was kind of getting bullied or kind of uh reacting to the teams well in this game they this the, this was a ravens team that was the bully in this game the saints wanted nothing to do with the ravens uh specifically the saints offense against this ravens defense the saints they they, they show no type of fight except for a couple of drives here and there the drive to end the first half that still only resulted in a failed goal um overall I, I think you have to be pleased with what you're seeing on this defense justin houston is just playing out of his mind. I mean, is is he one of the oldest dudes on the team and he's playing like a third-year player? Like, why is he playing? Has he found the fountain of youth and we don't know about it because he's playing out of his mind right now? Yeah, he looks to he looks like he's found the fountain of youth. Two and a half sacks also gets the, the uh, interception as well. I mean, I, I don't know what more you could ask for 
uh, from Justin Houston, not just in this game, but just in the season as a whole, really since he's joined the Ravens since last year, he's, he's just been one of their more consistent guys every week. And it's just amazing that they're able to get this type of play from him in the back stages of his career, like he is right now. But it was a lot of guys individually. I thought that really played well on the defense um, you saw Tyus Bowser make an impact immediately on that third down pass rush early in the game, forcing Andy Dalton to throw the ball away. I thought Marlon Humphrey played well uh, all game as well. Not a couple of sacks in there. Uh, nice coverage on a deep ball on Chris Olave, who was kind of giving them problems. He was the only receiver kind of giving them problems in this game. And Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton has been stacking games as of late. And I, I saw a Kyle Hamilton that was flying around out there, six tackles in this game against the Saints. This Ravens defense looks like a confident group right now. Absolutely. And it really um, is a soft spot for me because out of all of the good things we're saying, Marcus Peters is continuing to struggle. And yeah. it really sucks because you love what he brings to the table from a personality perspective and you know what Marcus Peters was like prior to his knee injury last year. He just looks like a completely different player. He's still trying to play the way that he played prior to his knee injury, but I just don't know if he's able to do that physically anymore. And it really sucks because he's a guy that I, I absolutely root for. I think that he is fiery. This is what this defense need. I think he's a leader. I think that, you know, again, how he played prior to his injury was something that this defense desperately needed. But now it just feels like he's almost a shell of his former self. And it, it's unfortunate because everybody else is ascending. You know, if I had to pick one sore spot of this defense, unfortunately, it would be, it would be Marcus Peters just doesn't hasn't looked the same since his knee injury. Um, that being said, many teams in the past and present have found ways to, you know, if you can rush the passer and force them to, you know, make some turnovers or force them to throw the ball out of bounds, then, you know, your secondary can be, you know, a regular secondary. Now, the Ravens are fortunate because I think that they are an above-average secondary, even with Marcus Peters struggling right now. Marlon Humphrey is continuing to play, like you said, just playing great football. You got Kyle Hamilton, you know, coming around and, and, and playing well. And then, you know, Chuck Clark is, is outside of that, you know, earlier when I mentioned the fact that he, you know, didn't make the play as he should have, still is playing at a high level. You still find a way to get Marcus Williams back down the stretch. So that secondary is still very good in spite of Marcus Peters' struggles. But adding a guy like Roquan Smith can work wonders to help your secondary not do so much work. So hopefully that will help them down the run, down the long run, because as of right now, Marcus Peters is still trying to find his uh, 2020 form. Yeah, and it, no doubt Marcus Peters is struggling, and some of it is just him not going 100% in some of these plays. A couple of these plays he's flat out giving up on. Um, he's getting beat, and he's just throwing in the towel in the play, not to say that he could do anything about it, you know, even if he did continue to run, but it's never a good look to see a guy just give up. Um, and he's not, that's not the kind of player he is. That's not the kind of player that we've known him to be. Right. And I think that's the most disheartening thing. You can understand if he's going out there and 
playing to the whistle every play and still, you know, they're, t- they're, they're beating them here and there. You, you, you'll live with that, but to see him kind of just pull up sometimes the way that he has is, is, is tough to watch. And th- I think what makes it worse is the fact that if the Ravens did decide to explore the route of, okay, let, maybe we need to throw somebody out there for Marcus Peters a little more than we are. Who is it? I mean, who would that guy be? <laughs> no I, idea. And I don't even think he's on that roster, yeah, even I'm, if you think that. Right, right. So uh, they're, they're kind of, I don't want to say stuck with Marcus Peters because you could do a lot worse. I still believe Absolutely. that. But uh, you, you, there's no alternative in this situation. It's, it's Marcus Peters or nothing over there. So it's still a, a better situation to be in than not. But you would like to see Marcus Peters play a little better than he has, especially, um, I think, as of late. But, yeah, Chuck Clark as well. Chuck Clark was the one that I really had an issue with on that touchdown, um, that late touchdown to Jawan Johnson. That I, I, Chuck Clark was the one that really bothered me because he's the second one there. The whistle hasn't blown yet. Exactly. You what are you doing? Push him out of bounds. You're arguing with the referee. The referee isn't going to blow the whistle all of a sudden because you're arguing with him. You're right there on the sideline. Make the play. Make just, it. For him to not even bother to push him out of bounds, that was that 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 just left such a sour taste in my mouth. And Harbs was obviously pissed off. I know you were at the game, Rita, but they showed on camera Harbs and Marcus Peters getting into it on the sideline. And this one was a little different than the one uh, that we saw a couple of weeks ago. Peters was both sides. I'll say both sides were a little more controlled. Uh, this time, but you see Peters plead in his case, and I, I don't, I don't, don't quote me on this, but I, I tried to put my my lip reading hat on, my lip reading glasses on, I should say, and, and it looked like Peters was saying, "Look, you know, don't you don't yell at me like I'm the only one out there doing it." Like he he said he tried, and he tried to tell Hobbs that he tried to pull him out of bounds. He tried to make the tackle initially, uh, but Hobbs was. Re- understandably so pissed off about that play because it kind of opened the door. Like, yeah, you still had control of the game, but it opened the door for this team. Anything can happen in this league. And as we've seen this team struggle to close out games in the past this season, that's just not the type of play you want to see late in the fourth quarter. So they've got some things to clean up, but overall uh, I, I think it's a lot to be pleased about with this defense. I agree, and I agree that Chuck Clark to me is a is a bigger offender because he literally just let the guy just run past some thinking because he was out of bounds. Like at the end of the day, you are taught to play until you hear the whistle. You don't hear a whistle. So what exactly is it that you're doing? And there's no way to plead your case. And yes, to some degree, you know Marcus Peters gets it too. Maybe not as much as Chuck Clark, but right. you know. It, them two together, it's just, I mean, it's almost like they're an old married couple at this point. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're going to argue. They probably kiss and make up later, you know. And when you're in the in the thick of it and, you know, your adrenaline is running high, yeah. of course things are going to, you know, be saying what they said. And like you said, it did feel like that this was a more controlled, um, you know, disagreement as opposed to a blow up the last right. time that we right. saw. So I, I'm definitely blaming Chuck Clark more so for that um, than Marcus Peters. And, and again, I, I, I don't want to rag on Marcus Peters too hard because we've already done that enough because he, he is struggling right now. Um, but 
Oh, I agree. The potential of what this defense can be, particularly with the the new additions. Oh, yeah. And by the way, you still got guys that's going to come back from injury right. somewhere at some point this season is through the roof. Uh, and and I, I'm sorry. I, I do also want to point out, too, the pass rush was amazing tonight. Amazing. Andy Dalton was sacked only four times coming into this game. He's played in five games coming into tonight in, into this game against the Ravens. Only sacked four times. He was sacked four times in this game alone. So this pass rush really turned it up, especially on third down, passing down situations. They really turned up the heat. Mike McDonald is just – he's been calling great games. Um, you sure? You, you're talking about stacking games. I, I think I think Mike McDonough has been one that's really been stacking games as of late with his play calling. And granted, he's getting more pieces back for him to play with, and he he's making it work. I I, I really like what I'm seeing from him, and he I, I love how he picks and chooses when he wants to be aggressive. You never really know because he could kind of lure you to sleep with some of the zone play. But best believe when you get in a passing situation. You 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 better have your antennas up because you never know what he's going to do. And in this game, he chose to be a little more aggressive in those passing situations, and it worked. Yeah, I, I've always I've been a fan of Mike McDonald. I've always felt like Mike McDonald has done the right things, and um, I've always felt that. Um, a big part of what was happening early on was a breakdown in communication. A lot of that had to do with the youth of the team, particularly in the secondary. And honestly, and quite frankly, you know, early on, you had a lot of inexperience in the backfield. So, you know, you put those two together. And of course, it doesn't necessarily bode well. And I think that People were quick to jump to the conclusion that Mike McDonald was the source of the problem, and I've never felt that way because I've always felt that Mike McDonald is a guy that he does not wait till halftime to adjust. If he feels like an adjustment needs to be made, he does it right away. And mm -hmm. I will say this every week until people get it caught out. I will because I know I've said this before. I'll say it again, and I'll say it again after the bye week. I'll say it again and again and again because that's what he does. And – now you're going to see what he's going to be like with elite talent. So it's just really going to be fun to watch. Uh, you don't even have to run zero blitzes anymore just to get pressure. It's, a, it's so fun to see yeah. this happening. So um, this defense is really – they're talented. They have the potential to see everything. This New Orleans Saints – Offense, despite the fact that they played without some of their best, um, you know, skill players in terms of like Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, they're still a top 10 offense and they shut them down to 13 points. And there probably should have been no touchdowns, quite frankly, outside of that fluke touchdown that they had um, at the end of the game. So, yeah, you know, this is just the beginning, I think. And I think that it just trends up and it continues to trend up from there. And uh, I think we'll hear less chatter about firing Mike McDonald. <laughs> oh, I, would, <laughs> I would expect so. <laughs> I, would, I would expect so. Absolutely. All right, guys. If Before we get to our next segment, make sure you are subscribed to the Winning Drive podcast so that you can get every episode as soon as it drops. All right, Cordell, let's talk offense. I mean, from a perspective of, like, if you look at Lamar's numbers – they looked kind of pedestrian. I mean, 
only threw for 133 yards, 22 um, attempts, 12 completions. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, you know, he really was the general of the game. Um, of course, you know, once again, 11 rushes, 82 yards. So he averaged 7.5 um, yards a carry. It, it really feels like this is a different offense without Mark Andrews. And hear me out. I think Mark Andrews is a phenomenal athlete. I think that Mark Andrews is by far their best skill player on this team. I want to be clear about what I'm saying. There is no one that can replace Mark Andrews and what he's done for this offense. However, I think Mark Andrews is a guy that is able to run option routes and is a guy that Lamar typically stares down to try to get the ball to. And so now you're in a position without him. You're not staring him down, obviously, because he's not present. You also have your young wide receivers getting involved, and they're not running option routes. They're running the routes that the coordinator is calling as opposed to letting them run their own routes, and this is what you get when you see that, which to me, Cordell, comes off as a more consistent offense. I don't know how you see that, but that's what I'm seeing right now. Yeah, I see a, I see an offense right now that – has more at their disposal than they did a couple of weeks ago than they did when they have Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman out there. And I think, uh, like you said, I'm not going to sit here and dress it up like the Ravens are better without Mark Andrews. In no world is that the case. Um, and And I'll never say that. But it's something about Mark Andrews not being there that forces them to give everybody else a look forces them to give everybody else a shot. The Ravens completed passes. Lamar had completions to four, five, six, seven, ten different receivers in this game. You were still counting after four and five. I don't know how long it's been since we've had to do that. Ten different guys caught a pass, albeit the only people that had more than one catch was King and Drake. And James Prochet, both of those guys had two catches apiece. Uh, the leading receiver in this game was Isaiah Likely with the one catch for 24 yards and the touchdown on that catch, uh, which was a great play call. But the passing game wasn't pretty in this game. I'm, it, it wasn't at all. Lamar wasn't sharp. There was opportunities for plays to be made, and Lamar overthrew Isaiah Likely. He overthrew yep. Demarcus Robinson yep. uh, in the end zone. He, I think he overthrew Demarcus Robinson probably about twice because he also missed him on a third down uh, rolling out, and he missed him wide open going on the sideline where he would have got the first down. So yep. Lamar was not sharp at all, um, I think, passing-wise in this game. But the thing that makes Lamar special is he he finds he, – he can – he can affect the game without being a dominant passer at times, without him having his best passing games. 11 carries for 82 yards, and some of those carries were just jaw-dropping, like, wow, Lamar. He's Every time been- you thought he was down, yeah. he wasn't down. <laughs> he, he, is, he, he just has – I mean, this this dude, he, he could get away from a guy if they were even locked together in a phone booth. I mean, he's just so tough to bring down um, and he just wears a defense down and he opens up the run game so much. I mean, King and Drake had a heck of a game himself, 24 carries, 
93 yards, two touchdowns uh, for him. Kenya Drake definitely was a big part of this offense in this game. I can't take it away from him. And he kind of is a guy that gets better as the game goes on. Um, but this offense it, it's, it's weird because it's not pretty to watch at all times, but they just have a way of just doing things that it's just that run game. They can run the ball 40 carries for a buck 88 on the ground and two touchdowns, a team that can run the ball as effectively as the Ravens can. They'll always be in, in the game. Uh, but like Troy Aikman said in the post game, the thing with being able, the thing with being a run first offense is you'll, it's going to be tough to put teams away. Simply, it's going to be tough to not play close games more so. All your games are pretty much going to be close because you're not getting those big plays in the pass game. You're not necessarily lighting up the scoreboard, uh, but you're controlling the game. You're dictating the pace of the game, um, and that's what the Ravens are doing right now. They're wearing defenses down. Defenses simply have problems tackling them in the second half, and that's that's really what they want to do, and you piece that together with a defense that's looking like a force uh, right now. You, the Ravens have something special cooking, it looks like. Absolutely. And, and look, time of possession, thirty almost 38 minutes out of 60. Um, I mean, listen, they, at, they had 319 total yards. Yes, I know that you mentioned 188 of it was on the ground. But listen, they, you know, they were still putting up numbers. Nine for 15 on third down efficiency. 23 first downs compared to the Saints 13. I mean, like you said, it didn't look pretty. It didn't look like it was a, you know, such a great um situation. It didn't flow great because like you said, there were some issues like Lamar just didn't connect with a couple guys. And, you know, those are some things you really have to work on, particularly down the stretch because if you're going to make it to the playoffs, you have to find ways to get those guys the ball. That being said, um, you know, it just felt like that they were in control really yeah. for the whole game, you know? No doubt. They definitely were, you know, that defense getting off the field quick offense picking. I mean, nine for 15 on third downs, the play calling on third down was great. Greg Roman called a heck of a game. Um, I, some of those run plays that he called, uh, you, we talk about creativity. I mean, they, yeah. they are definitely, the most creative run game in the NFL by far, I think, as well. I mean, Philly definitely can do it uh, as well. And the Niners, they have some nice creativity with them. But this this Ravens rushing attack is it's something you don't really get to see. And having Lamar back there um, makes it just that much more special. But I, I do think Greg Roman called a heck of a game. Deshaun Jackson, he gets hurt with the hamstring injury. That's I mean, normal. Normal. Yeah, I mean <laughs> – it's it's just what you it's just what you get when you when you get this guy. Um, seeing Ronnie and Lamar go at it out there on the field that was that was something. And I gotta say, I that I, I had no issue with Ronnie Stanley coming to the defense of the rookie right there. The rookie, sure, you know he he is that play is probably on him. There's a silent count right there. He's Lamar's clapping. He's got the pat. On, on his on his ass, you know, to let him know, hey, quarterback's ready for the snap. It's time to go. Lamar is clapping, letting you know the play clock's going down. You got to snap the ball. And they've had to, they've they've gotten delay of games on that too many times this yep. season. It's bad enough the plays are coming in late. 
and it's bad enough the play calling is so long and, and you get into the line late. I get it, but you got to get the snap off. But I have no issue with Ronnie Stanley coming there to the defense of his fellow offensive lineman, the defense of his rookie, and letting Lamar pre- pretty much could have told Lamar right there, like, hey, you've been great, but you haven't been spectacular tonight. You know, you've left some plays out here. You've made mistakes. You've overthrown some guys. You haven't been the most accurate tonight, Lamar. We're, you, you know, we're winning right now. I get the rookie made a mistake, but you've made mistakes too, and we we haven't gotten in your face about it. Let the kid live. Yeah. You know, and, and they're sitting there cussing. They're, they're having an FU fest right there, and it probably is part of the reason why they ended up having to get another delay of game right after that. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm not upset with, with Ronnie showing some fire in there, and I'm glad that they were kind of able to squash that on the sideline. They've got some strong personalities on this team. It's not surprising to see it kind of ball over the way it does. The key is to make sure it doesn't linger. Absolutely. I mean, look, and, and when you're in the fight, that's what's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, people are going to say things, and as long as at the end of the day you can, you know, uh, hash those types of things out when you calm right. down and settle down and say, look, this is what happened, this is what happened, and y'all can come to some type of mutual understanding, then that's just what it is. You know, my... Uh, my thing, though, you mentioned um, the delays of games and you mentioned, you know, good plays coming in late. I think this is just who the Ravens are, Cordell. They're just mm-hmm. going to be a team that will never get the play in quick enough. Will always come out the huddle late. It's no excuses. Like, literally, the play is coming in with 15 seconds on the clock. You're not even getting out of the huddle until nine seconds in the clock he doesn't have an opportunity to see the field to even know if he wants to change the play and, and make it something else I am extremely frustrated about it but I am it's, Rita, it's not even like it's just the play calling it's a combination of the play calling coming in late like I said the name of the play being long they've they've told us some of these names of the plays are longer than they probably should be and then they, even after uh-huh. they break the huddle Guys, it's, it seems like every other play, somebody's lining up in the wrong spot. Somebody's on the wrong it. side of the field. And then Lamar has to check the wristband every time because he's got his notes of what to do if the defense gives him a certain look. So he's got to check his wristband. He's got to check the defense. It's just so much going on, and they don't leave, they leave themselves so little time for all of that stuff to happen. It's devastating. Once you get to the playoffs, you can't have those type of situations. You can't take delay of games against Kansas City or Buffalo or Agreed. even Cincinnati, Agreed. you know, or Tennessee. Like you, you just can't do that type of stuff. So they've got to clean that up. I don't, I don't know what they have to do. They've talked about doing certain things and trying to try different stuff to cut down on taking up so much of the play clock. But whatever they've tried to do, it's not working. With the bye week here, they, they've <laughs> got to come up with a new way to, to do that. I would not hold my breath to that. Oh, I, again, this is not a 2022 problem. This is a 2021 problem, a 2020 problem, a 2019 problem. This is who they are. I'm not saying accept it. I'm, I'm just saying it might be a situation where we're beating a dead horse. <laughs> and I just don't even know. I am going to continue to say something about it when I see it. I'm just saying that 
it means nothing. They're not changing anything. And that's just what it's going to be. And we just have to accept that, unfortunately. I mean, look, if they're going to win every week, I guess we don't have to, we can't complain too much. But I agree with you. Like, once you get into the playoffs, that is unacceptable. So you need to find a way to figure it out and fix it ASAP because at some point you're going to play against better competition and you do not want to put yourself in delay of games or false starts or illegal shifts simply because you, you just cannot get things right pre snap. I'm over it. Over Agreed. it. All right, guys, before we get to our last segment, have you subscribed to the Winning Drive podcast? If not, please hit that subscribe button so Cordell and I can give you all the latest updates for your favorite team, the Baltimore Ravens. All right, Cordell, pats on the hat. What we got going on? You can go. You you go first. Tell me who your first guy is. All right, I'll I'll start on the offensive side. Uh, I'm I'm going to give my first one to Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake was a man on a mission in this game, 24 carries. I mean, that's that's a, you, you're carrying the load right there. The Ravens had 40 carries in this game, 24 of them go to Drake. He mans that backfield. Next after him is Justice Hill, who only had the four carries. Patrick Ricard had one carry on a short yardage situation, which I'm sure you love. Um, but Kenya Drake, two touchdowns in this game. He, you know, we, we look at this running back situation and, it hasn't been pretty for the entirety of the season. Um, and especially when you look back to what happened last year with the Ravens having to be in the kind of a similar situation of signing guys off the street when the season started. Having King and Drake back there, he, he's been a, a plus for them, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah. he's, he started to, he's starting to stack games himself. He's He's been nothing but a positive for them. And in a situation where Gus Edwards is down, J.K. Dobbins is down, again, you know, both of those guys, uh, King and Drake has been a guy that they felt like they can trust and lean on in the run game. And this was yet another game where he came through for him. And I think that King and Drake's early struggles was just simply trying to understand the system in which he was in. Because remember, he literally came in the week before, uh, the week of week one. Um, And so it it takes a couple of weeks. Listen, y'all can say whatever you want about Greg Roman. But the one thing that you cannot say is that he is not a grand wizard at run schemes. And I think that, you know, we don't give him enough credit in saying that I think that a lot of the run schemes are a little complex. And I think that King and Drake's. Um, early struggles, but just simply trying to get acclimated into the Greg Roman run offense. Now he's been here for quite a few week, weeks and he's flourishing. Um, so I do think that that's been the difference, just being here and being in the offense for a couple of weeks. And it's just really great to see because, you know, it's been a really surprisingly um, well pickup for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, my pat on the hat obviously is going to go to Mr. Justin Houston because why not? I mean, he was everywhere. He was all over the place. He had an interception. He had a couple of sacks. I mean, what exactly can I not give him praise for? This young man was out of his mind. Two and a half sacks. Again, an interception. He was phenomenal. And whatever Justin Houston is doing to keep himself young at heart and young in the body, I need some of that. Because (laughs) clearly you can tell my voice is dying. My feet hurt, Cordell. I'm tired of walking. My back hurt a little bit because I've had a weekend. And somehow, someway, Justin Houston is just out here just continuing making plays like he's like a young stallion or something. (laughs) It's phenomenal to watch. Justin Houston has been 
spectacular for them really all season. Uh, another two and a half sacks in, in this game and an interception off a of batted ball, which the Ravens have done a lot of this year. There's, that defensive line, they're tall, athletic, and they, they do a great job of getting their hands up when they're not able to get to the quarterback. And it's it's causing turnovers, which this Ravens defense continues uh, to do a good job of doing. Um, I'm going to stick on the defense. I'm going to go Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton's going to get one for me. Six tackles in this game. He we we saw aggressive Kyle Hamilton, and I think we're seeing more and more of that um, as this season goes on. He's a guy that's starting to really show up every time you watch these guys play. He's making open field tackles. He's trusting his eyes. He's playing faster now. He doesn't look slow out there. He didn't have any. I I didn't. I mean, maybe the stats will end up showing it, but. I didn't see many missed tackles from Kyle Hamilton in this game. Um, he, he came up there taking guys down by the legs. Sometimes if he's able to put a big hit on him, he's doing it. I'm just starting to really feel like while Kyle Hamilton isn't making the difference, making plays just yet, and he did have an interception in this game, but it was called back uh, for defensive pass interference on Chuck Clark, which I thought was kind of pity paddish uh, at best. Uh, on that call, but whatever. Kyle Hamilton got to wait a little longer on his first interception, but I, I just see this guy as somebody who's getting more and more confident and starting to understand what his role is in this defense and what he's supposed to do, and he's going out there and he's doing it. Absolutely. I'm going to go back to the offense, and this is probably going to be a surprise to you because it's not like he did anything spectacular, but I just really enjoy seeing James Prochet being involved, or as Steve Smith calls him, James Porsche. Right. <laughs> <laughs> being involved, two targets, two receptions, 22 yards, 11 uh, yards average. Look, I know it, he did nothing about what he did stood out, but the young man does deserve a shot. He obviously got some play time and he caught the passes that was going his way. That's mm -hmm. what you can ask. That's all you can literally ask for. I really think that uh, Prochet should get more involved into this offense. I would really like to see that. And you hope that this will allow the Ravens to do that because once again, Deshaun Jackson is out with a hamstring injury because that's who Deshaun Jackson is. So if this is going to linger longer, then you hope a guy like Prochet can can step up to the plate because he needs an opportunity. No doubt. James Prochet caught both of his targets. He got a he fought for that one first down that he got uh in the game. I I, I want more James Prochet if possible. That'd be great. Um it's, I think it's gonna take a lot of these guys just getting cons consistent with their route running and consistent when getting open. And Lamar's got to get his timing down with some of these guys. He's throwing to people who haven't gotten a ton of playing time yep. and who haven't uh, gotten a ton of opportunities to this point in the season. So I think when you see some of the overthrows to guys like uh, Isaiah Likely and some of the uh, the, the overthrows to me, maybe not as much to uh, Demarcus Robinson because they've got a little bit of a rapport, but – it's just not consistent enough. Mark Andrews seems to be the only guy on this team that Lamar can kind of hit with his eyes closed. Uh, and Mark Andrews isn't, isn't out there right now. So that's that's definitely going to be something to watch. But, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see more James Prochet, uh, if at all possible. I'm also going to give a game ball 
to Marlon Humphrey. Marlon led the team in tackles, also yep. had a sack, had a, a tackle for loss as well. Nice pass deflection on the ball to Chris Olave. Um, I, I thought Marlon, again, he, he's just going to do whatever they need him to do. Uh, I, I said watching these guys in training camp, Marlon was so good coming off that nickel spot, or any, whether he's blessing from the nickel spot or blessing off the edge uh, coming up, up on the defensive line like he did on that one sack that he had tonight. He's, he's just really good when they allow him to blitz. Um, yep. And he went out there. He made plays in the backfield. Marlon's just – he's just flying around to have seven. He stuck his nose in there on some of those run plays as well. Leading the team in tackles as a corner, that's pretty impressive to me, um, especially when you've got the league's leading tackler out there and Roquan Smith. Yep. And, and I know Roquan didn't play the amount of snaps tonight that he's probably going to play going forward, but that, that says something to me to see Marlon stick his nose in there the way as, as much as he did in this game. I completely agree. I don't think I have any more men's of the hats because I yeah. feel like we could go all day with defense. I think Metabuke played well. I mean, yeah. like, you know, Calais Campbell obviously continues to, to, to get his hands up. I mean, we could go on and on and on about defense. So, um, you know, I'm just going to shout out the, the, the defense, man. Yeah. Like, it's exciting to see what they're going to be able to do down the stretch. No doubt. This defense looks like a team that, you know, has a ton of talent. Uh, they've got a young defensive coordinator who's still kind of getting in his in his bag, and I think he's still kind of tough to scheme for. To be honest with you, I don't think there's enough film out there for people, and and they do a good job of kind of breaking tendencies too. At times, they do a good job of self scouting, so I think it makes them tough to prepare for because you just don't always know what they're going to do. And this is a talented group, a very talented group, and they're so fast. You really got to see the speed with guys like Tyus Bowser and Roquan Smith now added to this defense, you see how fast they are, how physical they are. They're just, like I said earlier, they, they played bully ball in this Saints game. That, that Saints offense really wanted nothing to do with them. Uh, Roquan Smith could probably get a game ball himself just for some Absolutely. of the he had on Alvin Kamar um, and just making his impact felt early in this game. He is. He's he's a difference maker, no doubt about it. Um, I, I just think that this team in general is they're they're trending up. They're trending up right now. You go into the bye week, you got the most favorable schedule in the NFL after the bye week, and yep. anything can happen. You still have to go out there and put your best foot forward and play a good game. But the is is right there for you. And in a situation right now, you see the the Bills lose to the Jets and yep. The Chiefs, they they take down the Titans, but all these teams look beatable. All these teams look beatable, and I talk about having styles that look like they can sustain late in the season. When, what styles look like they can win you games in December and January? The Ravens have those has that type of style, a, a team that can run the football yep. and, and can play very good defense. You can beat anybody. And if the, the it's just I think it's key for them to start really getting consistent offensively, being able to get healthy if at all possible. Um, but right now they they they've got a golden opportunity to really take the AFC by storm if if they choose to do so. 
I completely agree. And it'll be exciting to see um, how they go down the stretch because everybody appears to be going to be healthy, um, you know, at some point uh, moving forward. You get Gus Edwards back. You get Mark Andrews back at some point. Um, you know, obviously, Rashard Bateman is an unfortunate loss, but you do get some of your great skill players back so you can really make a run um, going into the postseason and potentially winning the AFC North as a result. So I want to thank everyone for listening. I know my voice sounded terrible and, and it was probably hard to get through. <laughs> it was hard to get through for me to say it, but uh, I truly appreciate you. New Orleans, if you ever been, you know what type of city it is. You will lose your voice. And yeah, that's uh, kind of the story of, of <laughs> my voice here. So we will be back on Wednesday uh, with more Ravens content. So from Cordell to me, this is Winning Drive.